Well, the title of my message this morning is called Divine Interruption. Divine Interruption. So right where you're at in your home right now, just say this after me. Say, what I thought was an interruption was actually an intermission. Tell somebody else in the house, what I thought was an interruption is actually an intermission. How many of you ever been to like a play or a performance, maybe downtown Milwaukee, Chicago, maybe somewhere else, and you're, you're, you're enjoying it? And if you didn't know, you have to understand that the play is, it, it is, it is actually structured in two parts. There's part one, there's part two. There's act one and there's act two. And if you don't know any better, there's something in the middle called intermission. If you don't understand that that's an intermission that's connecting act one and act two, you won't understand and you'll think that it's actually the end or that actually what's happening is over. That's going to be what you're going to think it's going to be, that it's over. People begin to get up. The lights go up. Uh, people begin to leave the, the auditorium to go get snacks and, and, or concession or whatever they're going to do, use the bathroom. And so if you don't understand that actually act two is better than act one, you'll get up after act one during the mission thinking, well, that's the end of it. I've got news for you. It's not over, even though it looks like it's been over. It's just nothing more than a, what I would call nothing more than an organized or orchestrated interruptions. Now, there are nothing more frustrating in life than to make plans and um, see those plans that are interrupted in your life. I know many people have made plans over the last uh, couple of weeks and had a plan for months to come, and now they can't do it. They can't make that flight. They can't go to Disney World. I know my children made plans to go to Disneyland. Now they're going to have to get their money back for their tickets and all that kind of stuff. That, and I had, we had a great uh, member of our church that was taking his family to Poland and having a great time there, and that all got canceled and so on. There's nothing more frustrating than making plans, and those plans become interrupted. Listen to what the Bible says in Proverbs chapter 19, verse 21 says this, many are the plans of a man's heart, but it is the Lord's purpose to prevail. I'm going to read that one more time. Many are the plans of a man's heart, but it's the Lord's purpose that prevails. In other words, there's a purpose that God has for you and I that sometimes in life he's got to interrupt your schedule interrupt your plans. If you don't understand it, you'll think what I'm going through is now meaning that it's over. My plans are over. My desires are over. My vision is over. That's a lie. That's not the truth. I'm here to tell you that God can take your plans that have been interrupted and make it come on schedule with him so his purposes can be revealed in your life. My wife and I, uh, my wife and I uh, started a church years ago in 1997. 1990, we were just kids. Started a church in uh, a city called Madison, Wisconsin. Many are familiar with our what we call the Madison Experience now. And we went with our hearts on fire, wanting to do something for God, really wanting to uh, see God do something, build a church and win the people of Madison. And our hearts were really there. And we were, we were giving ourselves to it, but believing God for great things to happen. Unfortunately... It didn't happen the way that we thought. We couldn't build the church up the way we wanted to build the church up. We, we had plans, but it's almost like they were off schedule with God. Have you ever had that in your life where you felt like you felt like you heard God, you have a heart to do it, and like everything but God's involved in it? And it, and it just felt the same way with us. We couldn't grow the church the way we wanted to grow the church, and we felt like there was more to give, and, and it wasn't happening. And so... We decided that uh, we were going to, in fact, go on a vacation, take a little time off and, and, in Florida and come back and kind of re, re, recalibrate and reset. And when I was in Florida, I heard the God say, a double-minded man is unstable in all his ways. Let not that man think that he can receive anything from the Lord. Now go back and do what I called you to do. Now I'm going back, guys, with this whole hope that this thing's going to explode. 
We're going to see God do incredible things. We're going to see God move with great might and authority. And we got back, we saw a little bit of a nudge forward, but not a whole lot more. I didn't know that God had a whole purpose for me that I didn't realize was, was going to about to take place somewhere different. And I'll never forget preaching in, on a Sunday. And actually, we had a pretty good crowd that day. And um, I tell the story, it's kind of funny, but, you know, when you, when you have a small church and 10 people show up, it's like, oh, my God. The Lord is in the building. we got a mega ministry going on here. There was 45 people. But we were happy to have them, praise God. And so uh, we, I remember saying to myself, well, I'm gonna, after I get done preaching, I'm going to put my Bible down in my little office. It's right outside of, the, outside of the pulpit here. Small little sanctuary. Sat about maybe 75 to 100 people. And, and so I'm going to go back out and greet the people, all the new people that came that day. And when I got into the, the, my office, set my Bible down, the Spirit of God came upon me like I've never felt before in my life. The presence of God enveloped me. I closed my door, began to cry just profusely, sat down at my desk, and I kept saying, God, what is it? What is it you want? And at that time, I had a vision. And in the vision, I saw a cloud. And in clouds, I saw arms extended from the cloud. And those arms were all different colors, guys, all different ethnicities. If you had a camera shot, you might be able to see from this angle, guys, right here, all different ethnicity right up here. This is what I saw, different people, different colors. And I heard voices in the cloud. And the voices said, please come. We need you here. Please come. We need you here. And God spoke to me and said, you're in the wrong place. I need you in Milwaukee, Wisconsin. And just like that, my wife and I turned a corner, and we came here, and the rest is history. To God be the glory, great things he has done. There was a purpose in the interruption in our life. We didn't understand at the time. Let me make this statement. A divine interruption leads to transition. A divine interruption leads to transition. Could it be that God has used the coronavirus to interrupt our lives for his purpose and his plans? Now, don't, don't turn me off. I'm not saying God caused it. I'm asking a question. Can he use it? Can he use that donkey to speak to the prophet? Can he use what he wants to use? If he can use me, I, trust me, I know he can use anything. I've noticed, though, during this season of our lives being kind of like an upheaval and, and it's been completely interrupted. Our, our, our economy has been interrupted. Our nation has been interrupted. Our schools and hospitals and our home life has been completely interrupted. Our churches I'm speaking now to a handful of people in a, in a nice size auditorium, and, 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 and they've been interrupted across America. But I've noticed that in this time, I'm seeing priorities of people come back online. I'm seeing people begin to take God more serious than they have in a long time. I'm seeing them seize the moment of opportunity and saying, you know, now, now that we're all in close proximity and quarters because we've been quarantined and, and we got our family together, I'm watching and hearing the testimonies of people saying, you know, I took opportunity. We started talking. My wife and I have been talking like we've never talked before or had that conversation with my children I haven't had before. It's almost like don't forget that God is in this moment too. Don't run around thinking like, oh my goodness, it's all falling apart. No, God can take this moment and use it to bring healing in your family, to bring healing in your life. I believe with all my heart. And by the way, we set it up on our new website. You can go to our new website. It's the same address, but it's set up for online. And you go there, it says story. Hit that button and tell us your story. We want to hear about your story so we can let people know and be encouraged by what God's doing right now in the last couple of weeks in your life. And we're starting to hear the stories already begin to come in. Here's what the question should be right now. What will, what, what will we become when this is all said and done? 
what will we become and where will we end up or where, where will we be? Those need to be questions of destiny. What is going on during this divine interruption? Let's look at John chapter 20. In John chapter 20, we're going to read the story about Mary in just a moment and how Jesus had died. Jesus went to the cross. He is now dead. He's no longer on the earth, okay? It's what we call a major, major divine interruption. Everything that Jesus preached was about life. Everything that Jesus preached was my kingdom come. Everything that Jesus preached was about bringing God to earth. And this this whole notion of death, though Jesus put it within his message, they couldn't see it. They thought that Jesus was going to be reigning as king on earth and they would be his royal subject. That's what most people believed Jesus was going to do. But now he's dead. He died on the cross. He cries, it is finished. He gives up the ghost. And now there's been a total divine interruption in people's lives. This is completely and totally unexpected. What some of you have been going through as of late, some of you lost your job. It's been unexpected. Some of you have been put, put in a place where you're having anxiety attacks. You've never had that before in your life. It's unexpected. Losing uh, 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 businesses and, and people, uh, churches, and not being able to attend your own church. This is unexpected. Let's look what it says here in John chapter 20 and verse number 11. It says, but Mary stood outside by the tomb weeping. And as she wept, she, stu- she stooped, the Bible says, down and looked into the tomb. So this is Mary Magdalene. And she's friends with the mother of Jesus, Mary, and Salome. Now they're going to perfume the body of Jesus. Why? They know he's dead. They know he's behind that stone. They know that he's in that tomb. So what they were going to do was continue to perfume, which was their custom, his body as long as they possibly could. It was a, a thing of honor to do for, your, for the people that you love that have died. Mary Magdalene was one that was very special in the ministry of Jesus because Mary Magdalene was a, was a prostitute. She was a known, famous prostitute in her time. Uh, she had many Johns. The Bible says that one day Jesus came by and casted out the devil, and there were seven demons that came out of Mary Magdalene and totally just set her free, totally set her free, and took a woman who was a woman of the night, a woman of sin, a woman that had demons, a woman in the, in the red light district, and made her a minister, one of Jesus' great, most trusted ministers, part of the 500 that followed him everywhere that he went. So she had great love for the master. She loved him like I love him, like you love him because of what we've been through. And he loved us anyways and saved us. And so she now, as the Bible says, she's at the tomb and she stooped down and she wept and she looked in it. Mary's life, Mary's faith was totally interrupted with the death of everything she believed in. Completely. Jesus was in fact dead. That was a fact. He had died. His body was now in the tomb. So therefore, everything she loved and embraced was dead. Mary is overcome with grief. She's now weeping because she's, she sees something that she never thought would ever happen. The strong Messiah that could walk through the midst of people. And they're trying to throw stones at him and they couldn't catch him. They tried to throw him off a, a hill one day and they couldn't capture him. Uh, the Jesus that rebuked the Pharisees and rebuked the king and, and was able to put things in order. The Jesus that fed the five thousand. He could do anything. 
why in the world is this going on? How can this happen that he be dead? He is, she now, her faith has been shook to the core. She's overcome with grief. She's weeping, not unlike some of you, weeping over what you can't fix, weeping over the finality of what has happened in your life, weeping over what has been lost, weeping over the fact that this may be the end of an era. But church, weeping may endure for a night, but joy comes in the morning. And the joy of the Lord is my strength. You need to go ahead and wipe your tears and just understand and know and have hope that everything's going to be all right. Just tell the person next to you, everything is going to be all right. If God before you, who can be against you? This is how we prophesy. This is what we say. Let your mind and heart be filled with hope this morning. Let your mind and heart be filled with knowing that God is going to bring purpose in the middle of a divine interruption. It may look like it's over, honey, but it's just nothing more than an intermission. Act two is about to begin, and act two is about to make sense of act one. I just said a thing right there. You know, you can watch the whole play in act one and not really understand quite what's going on. Act two puts it all together, so you got to understand what act one was all about. And that too, come on, has a grand finale. I'm here to tell you that your story and your best days are yet ahead of you. The Bible says she looked into the tomb. She looked into the tomb. She's looking for what she once had. She's desiring to get back what she's lost, y'all. This is what she wants. Let me prophesy this this morning. You can't get back. Let me say it this way. You can't go back to what used to be. Don't waste your time. Don't waste your energy. I'm going to prophesy this to you. Today and from now, from now on, know and understand, what you were is only the foundation of what you're going to become. Don't try to dig up your past. It's full of dead things. There's a resurrection on your horizon. And let me prophesy to the church this morning. I'm talking about the, not just this church, every church in America. We're not going to come back to church as business as usual, the way things used to be. God is stirring things up in our midst. God is stirring things up to take us into our future. It's our destiny. Come on, somebody. It's our destiny. We are emerging into a brand new day. Have you ever considered that God has something much, much greater for you than what you used to have? What, what you used to have is going to pale in comparison to what you're about to attain. The Bible is very clear. that um, The Bible says that you are a new creation in Christ. Old things have passed away. All things have become what? New. It's a new day. We're, we're, we're venturing on a new horizon. We got new purpose, and God's going to give it to us so that we can get that Lazarus generation in the doors of the house of God. I'm talking about those that have been, that have been set out for dead, and they're, they're going to come with resurrection. They're going to come in with their grave clothes. They're not going to smell good. They're going to smell like the world, praise God. But as the hippies came in in the 60s, come on, and they didn't understand them hippies coming with no, feet, no sandals on their feet, just coming long hair and dirty, sitting on the road, and they came in the church, and most of the church didn't understand what was going on. God was causing a revival to happen. Let's not be the church that doesn't accept the new day and the new way that God has for his people. I'm prophesying this morning, praise God. Mary was disappointed. Mary was discouraged. Mary felt feelings of fear and hurt. And confusion. Why? Because Mary did not have answers. 
And when we don't have answers, our mind begins to reel. We don't sleep well because we can't, our mind is going and going and going and going and going. You, you might be saying, I've never planned for this to happen. I've, I've, been, I've been completely taken off guard. Have you ever heard that statement before? I've been completely taken off guard. I thought about that the other day. That's our problem right there. We took the guard off. We've completely taken the guard off. Philippians 4 says, be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving. Let your requests be made known to God and the peace of God that surpasses all understanding will guard, will guard, will guard, peace will guard your heart and mind through Christ Jesus. Somebody say amen. I get my thought life in order by getting myself back in prayer, getting myself spiritual, getting back where I'm supposed to be spiritual. When a divine interruption happens, I've got to get myself with God. And I've got to, I talked last week about Jehoshaphat, and he did, he was afraid. He did fear, the Bible said, but he set himself to pray and to fast, and God gave a supernatural answer. I'm telling you, God wants to give you a supernatural answer as well as keeping your peace of your heart and your mind. We've had many divine interruptions in our lives. I'm sure that you all have too. I'm sure that you watching have as well. And my wife and I had a major divine interruption back in 2011. And we went through a lot of different things. And, and, and we're over all that. I'm not going to talk about that. My point is, is that when you're going through a season of interruption, your mind begins to think thoughts they shouldn't think. And then you begin to have actions about things that you shouldn't have. I thank God that I did spend time with God. I thank God that I got before the throne of God. I thank God that he was giving me peace. But there'd be these moments of, 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 of thoughts and, 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 and hurt and anxiety and different things. You, you've been through some of this yourself. But I found out that, that sometimes even in divine interruptions, there are interruptions that God will give you in the midst of a divine interruption. So I was minding my own business like I try to do every day in my life, praise the Lord. And I was going to Walgreens. Now, I don't know about the Walgreens maybe in your city, but in Milwaukee, praise God, probably pretty much like this anywhere you go, they have Walgreens in the hood. Now, in the hood, Walgreens is not like the Walgreens in Brookfield. Or the Walgreens in, in, in where else would be another place? Would be, uh, uh, what, huh? Greenfield or Whitefish Bay or something like that. But, 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 but the Walgreens in the hood, I'm just going to leave it right there, praise God, can be... Um, a thing of its own. It's got a life of its own, a character of its own. Some of you know what I'm talking about. Some of you are smiling at me right now. And so I went into a Walgreens because I needed to, and it was in the hood. Now I, I go in. I don't care. I'm just going to be myself. So I go in there, and my thing is always this. When I go into a store, I got a couple things on my mind that I'm going to get. I don't shop. I go in. I grab the items. And my thing is, it's always like I want to be the first guy in line. Everything with me is a race. My wife says, that, honey, it's not a competition. Yes, it is. I want to beat everybody. I want to be the first person at that cashier, and I can get in and get out. I know that doesn't even sound Christian. Pray for me, y'all. I got my thing. You got your thing, too. Praise God. And so I wanted to go in, pick up my two or three items, right, get out the door. It's packed. It, the parking lot was packed going in. I thought, oh, no. So I go in, and sure enough, there's a bunch of people in there, right? So I go in there, and I start starting going to my little aisles, and I got to pick my stuff at. And this big, gigantic man, about six foot five, couldn't miss him, not, not just because of his build, but also because he was loud. And he was a city bus driver because he had his uniform on, okay? So he comes in, and he starts talking to everybody. Now, he's got that what we call an I personality, which means he don't know any strangers. I just is, uh, is uh, we use a disc program, and I just means influence.
influencer. And so he, he don't know any strangers. He'll talk to anybody anytime. You could tell this guy was super, super outgoing. And he's tall and he's loud and he's getting the attention of everybody. I mean, everybody in that place. And he's talking to everybody like he knows them. Maybe he does. I don't know. First time I was in that particular Walgreens. But he's talking to everybody. And, um, and notice he's talking, he's dropping God here and God there. Oh, that's great. You know, whatever. I'm picking up my stuff and I'm going to go. So I get into the line, right? Now, I get to the line. I'm number five or six in the line, right? And now then, while I get in my line, there's about three or four or five people behind me. It's a busy Walgreens. We get in there, right? Talking about divine interruptions. They'll come when you least expect it. Now, watch this. So I'm in line, and, and I'm, I'm going to mind my own business. My, remember, my whole thing is I got to hurry and get up, get out of here. I don't know why I feel like that all the time, but I just want to get in and get out. So I get in the line. I'm like, come on, come on, lady. So all of a sudden, all of a sudden, here comes uh, Mr. Uh, Congeniality, all right? Six foot five, going to talk to everybody guy. He comes in the back of the line. So he's about five or six people behind me, right? Now he's got a captive audience, about 10 or 11, 12 of us in the line. And he loves it. You can tell he loves it. But I didn't know he was like a real strong believer, so he starts preaching, right? He starts preaching about Jesus this and Jesus did that for me and, and I love the Lord and you can know him too. And now you'd think as a preacher I'd be excited about that. But you know, I kind of walked in with an attitude. I've been going through some stuff. I got my own interruptions going on in life and I just didn't want this guy trying to get my attention to try to talk to me. Why? I want to get in and I want to get out. Y'all pray for me. Praise God. I'm a preacher but I'm going to tell on myself today. So I'm thinking, please, he starts talking to the person in front of him, the next person. So he's going down the line. I know at some point, if this lady don't hurry up this cashier, he's going to get to me, right? And finally, he gets the person right behind me, and then I step up. I said, praise God, the cashier, hallelujah, high five, let's get this thing rolling. He can't talk to me now, right? That's what I thought. So I get my bags, thank you very much. I'm walking out the door. I'm, I beat this guy. Remember, everything's a competition. I got to get out the door. I beat everybody, right? I'm getting out the door. He goes, sir, sir, hold on just a second. Oh, no, Jesus. No, he didn't just try to stop me. I kept walking, sir, before you leave. I go, oh, no. So I turn around. I go, yes, sir. He says, I got a word for you. I'm thinking, whatever. Really, I, that's what I'm thinking. Just, you just want to hear yourself talk. And, now, I'm being carnal about it, right? And I remember, I remember, church is my life. I, I, this is my world, right? So I'm thinking, okay, whatever this guy. He goes, uh, <clears throat> he goes, the Lord shows me something about you. I go, okay, whatever. Now, he's got everybody's attention. Not just the line, but everybody in the store. They're all looking at me and looking at him. And he says, you've been really going through it. I thought to myself, I have been kind of going through it. <laughs> he says to me, he says, he says, and the Lord shows me. That uh, he said, your heart's been broken. My heart kind of has been broken a little bit. But what in the world? And now I'm kind of, I'm kind of, now I'm kind of inching my way towards him a little bit. And he says, and the Lord also shows me, you're a pastor, aren't you? You're a pastor of a church in this city. I am a pastor of a church in this city, Jesus. Now he's got my attention, right? He said, the Lord showed me they're talking behind your back. They are talking behind my back. And he said, the Lord said, don't pay it no mind. Sometimes God's got to do a cleaning in the church. Don't worry about it. He said, the people that need to come back will come back. Let the rest go. But the Lord tells me you're about to move into a brand new season and a day. Begin to rejoice, sir. This is your day. Oh. Hallelujah, Jesus. This is my day. Now I'm in. Praise God. Now I'm excited. Sometimes we're unwilling to have a divine interruption. But God always knows what time to interrupt you to get your attention. Even when you're busy, could it be that we've been so busy in our worlds, in our life, that God said, halt, stop. I'm about to interrupt everything. 
so that what? I can get your attention. Somebody say amen. amen. Woo. So Mary, uh, verse 12 and 13. I got to get back to the Bible now, praise God. She saw two angels in white sitting, one at the head and one at the feet, where the body of Jesus had lain. Then they said to her, woman, why? Hang with me, y'all. This is prophetic now. Why are you weeping? She said to them, because they have taken away my Lord, and I do not know where they have laid him. God is trying to give Mary a different perspective, another reality of what's really going on at that moment in her life and the world. A world, a, a, a prophetic perspective of what's happening in the world, but also in her personal world. But all she could see, guys, is what was what has now been taken from her. Her eyes was not on the future. Her eyes was on the past. Her eyes is on the fact of what now has been taken from her. She even said this word, they've taken away him from me, right? Mary couldn't discern that this was merely an interruption. She thought it was over. Listen, most people get the wrong interpretation on their divine interruption. Did y'all catch that? They don't discern the interruption is actually an interception to get them running in the right direction. Could it be that God is doing this in our lives? Everybody say, thank God for interruptions. Because God will take them to utilize things to show his purpose and plans of your life, where you're going, and where we're going as the church at large. So Mary, she can't be consoled. She's bawling her eyes out. She, she's, she's, uh, the angels ask her, why? Why are you crying? Why are you weeping? She says, they've taken away my Lord, and I don't know where they've laid him. This is how we feel sometimes when going through a divine interruption. It's like, Lord, you know, these things are not adding up. How can this happen? You never showed me this was going to happen. How many can say that the Lord showed you this is going to happen. I would say probably an extremely small number of people that knew that this was going to happen, talking about this whole interruption with corona, right? And if even some people did see it, they didn't even know what they were seeing, right? So this is not like something you could be totally prepared for. This is something that you have to trust God with. There are times that he's not going to reveal every step to you. It's a moment that you must now lean into him. Trust the Lord with all your hearts. Lean not unto your own understanding, but in all your ways acknowledge him. Then he directs your paths, right? So what's happening here? She's in a place in her life. She's, her whole life has been turned upside down. Her belief system has been shook to the core, right? And now what's God saying? He's saying, look for my promise. What's my promise? I'll never leave you and I'll never forsake you. I've always got you kept in the palm of my hand. I am a refuge. If you run to me, you'll find shelter and safety. And if you call to me in a time of trouble, I will be there. It's a time where God says, I need your attention. And don't tell me it's not this important right now during Passover when that's actually God's interruption schedule. In other words, God says, Passover is a time, eight days of observance, that I set aside for my people. It's an appointment I make with my people. That's what feast means. An appointment I make with you. I want you to interrupt your life for me and it's all happening right now, I would say that's very, very prophetic. Again, you need to get my message on Thursday. Um, verse number 14 says this. 
Now, when she had said this, she turned around and saw Jesus standing there and did not know that it was Jesus. Wow. Wow. You see, when you're only seeking an answer and not Jesus, you might come to the wrong conclusion. Did you hear me? Let me say it again. When you're only seeking an answer and not seeking the Lord, you may not come to the right conclusion. Right? And you may simply not recognize him when he shows up. She sees him, hears his voice, but doesn't recognize him. Because it does not fit the mode of what she had in him. That's where the confusion comes in. We want to hang on to what we had. And now God wants to show a new facet of who he is. You're going to have the foundation of your past. You won't let that go. But that's not going to carry you into your tomorrow or into your future. We need a fresh revelation of our Father, of the God of heaven today. Let me make this statement. Your perception becomes your reality. I'll say it one more time. Your perception becomes your reality. This is story day. I'm going to tell another story. The whole shopping thing. Y'all heard me tell the story a lot. Some of y'all can write me and tell me the story better than I can tell it myself, but I promise you it gets gooder and gooder each time. I don't like to shop. I told you I don't like to shop. My wife said, honey, this was years ago, and we were working for my dad at Beloit and um, the Beloit Church, and, and, uh, and at the time I was doing praise and worship, we did youth, we did productions, we did children, we did a bunch of stuff. Anyways, and so, um, and so uh, uh, we stopped at the, uh, uh, Walmart, and my wife said, honey, I got to pick up a couple things. I said, okay. Now, honey, what is, I mean, this is years ago. This is in the mid-90s, okay? What is the same thing I say to you every single time that we go into a building or have you go into a building? I always say what? I always say, hurry up. Please don't go there, there. She, she don't listen to anything I say. It's the most frustrating thing ever in my life. I said, baby, please, I don't want to be here forever. Just go in and get the stuff. I said, well, I'll, I'll go in and get it. She goes, no, you won't know where it's at. I'm going to go. Okay, go. So, so what I did was, y'all must know what I'm talking about, praise God. Some of you men, you know what I'm talking about. But I, I, I said, okay, I'm going to park here. Now, there's a fire lane, you know, the thing right in you know, the curb up against where the doors are. So I'm going to park away from the doors. I'm not going to be in anybody's way, but I'll wait right here because it was busy and there's no parking stalls so that she can go right in and come right back out. So I'm sitting there. It's the summertime. Windows are down. I was having a tough day. Something was, you know, that's where you got to be real careful with your flesh because your flesh will get you in trouble quick. When you're in trouble, and I, I mean, when you're having a bad time. Now, here I am. I'm saved. I'm sanctified. And I'm filled with the Holy Ghost. I'm a man of God. Been ordained in the ministry of Jesus Christ. Leading God's people every single week. And I'm having a bad day. So I'm sitting there while she's in there. And she's taking too long. So I do blame a little of this on you. Because my frustration would not have been that much. But you, you were in there for a little while. And, uh, and so, uh, anyways... People are coming out with their carts, and they're looking at me, and they're judging me because I'm parked where you're not supposed to be parked. Now, I don't know they're judging me, but in my mind and in my heart, I know that I know that I know they are judging me for parking there, and they're looking at me straight, and they were looking at me strange, every single one of them, like, what are you doing there? You're not supposed to be parked there. I thought, Lord, I said, Lord, I'm telling you right, right now, I'm having a bad day today. If one more person looks at me funny, be careful when you do that, when you put ultimatums out there and make vows in your heart. If one more person looks at me like that, I'm going to tell them what for. I'm going to tell them off. And it felt good to think that way, too, I'll tell you. Here comes a guy 
He's got some a lady, I'm, I'm presuming it's his wife. They're walking on two carts, right? And they're walking, and here they are walking like this, walking like this. And they're looking at me and staring at me. And the guy, guy almost breaks his neck to look at me. I thought, you sucker, you judging me? I judge you. You know how that is. I judge you. Because he judged me for parking. And fine, I didn't know what to say. I just pulled myself. I was summertime. The window was down. I pulled myself in the van like this. I said, excuse me. I thought, you, you're, you're looking at me like you know me. So I said, do I know you? No, actually, I said, do you know me? And he said, yeah. Aren't you that preacher down in Beloit that leads praise and worship at that church? To which I said, I thought I knew you. Praise the Lord. Good to see you. You got to fake it sometimes till you make it. Hallelujah. I was so embarrassed. I still think about that right now, and I get embarrassed about that. I was nothing but a heathen dog, a heathen dog. But you know what happened? My perception became my reality. I perceived, I thought that's what it was, and that became my truth on the inside. And sure enough, it was the direct opposite. The guy was, recognized me from leading praise and worship in my dad's church. I'm just here to tell you, it's the same thing with you in every area of your life. Verse 15, Jesus said to her, woman, why are you weeping? Again, with the weeping. Twice she's been asked, why are you weeping? Whom are you seeking? She's supposing him to be the gardener, said to him, sir, if you have carried him away, tell me where you've laid him, and I will take him away. I want back what I had. Again, she wanted things to go back the way they were. Mary thinks Jesus is actually the gardener. She only sees what is in her current reality. She only views God according to her circumstances and her surroundings. Sound like you? We all do this from time to time. She's fitting God into what she's, she, that what's going on in her life, what she's going through. Not only that, but she doesn't understand what she's shifting to become. Mary was shifting and didn't understand it. She was transitioning and she didn't know it. Mary wanted answers to the interruption in her life, but it required a new understanding. It required revelation knowledge. What she was going through and what you're going through is not natural. It is spiritual. So God's got to open our understanding to see the purpose. What's the purpose? Maybe the purpose is so you and your family can finally have that communication, can finally have that talk. Maybe a husband and wife, finally you can get some answers in your marriage. Maybe it's you know taking the time to, uh, to begin to, I see somebody do this by the Spirit. You're beginning to write a business plan. I see this in the Spirit. You're writing a business plan. God wanted you to do that 10 years ago. Go. But now you're taking the time to do it. Everything halted. It looked bad, but God now is showing forth his purpose and his plan during this divine interruption. And it couldn't have happened at any other time except for now. Verse 16. Jesus said to her, Mary. Boy, when he said that, she turned and said, Rabboni, which is to say, teacher, she now sees him for who he is now, not for what she knew him to be just a couple days ago. Jesus said to her, watch this, do not cling to me. But well, we all relate to that right now in coronavirus. Please don't hug me right now. We are going to hug after, except for Pierre. Pierre will hug anybody. He doesn't care. The guy, no, Pierre has no fear. Amen. He's got no fear. <laughs> it's all good. It's all good. Do not cling to me, for I have not yet ascended to my father. But go to my brethren and say to them, I am ascending to my father, your father, and to my God, your God. 
Jesus told Mary, do not cling to me. In other words, do not cling to what you want me to be. But listen to what I want you to do. Don't cling to me the way you want me to be, but listen to me of what I want you to do. So Jesus gives Mary an assignment. Go tell my brethren. Statement. In divine interruptions, you should expect a new assignment. Your assignment puts you into alignment with your purpose. For some of you, your assignment will be to deal with things of your past. That will be your assignment, but not to cling to them, not to hold on to them. i got to be careful because I start thinking all kinds of thoughts. I'm a pastor, so I hear all kinds of things, and I get concerned because I want to help people. That's my job is to bring people hope and life and teach them the word of God so they can be mature and grow and be discipled, disciplined, and, and know God's ways. And, and, I, and I'm going to do that to the last day I breathe. But I'm here to tell you I have found that there are some people that just don't want to hear it, guys. They like, let me tell you, people like to not have to deal with issues because their issues now have become their identity. And if they don't have their issues, they don't know who they are anymore. So they can't wait to get on Facebook and any other book they have out there or get on somebody's call line or whatever and talk about all their problems and how everybody has done them wrong. But I'm here to tell you, I was thinking about this the other day, the other day, the other day. Hallelujah. God, thank you for bringing this back to my memory. And I was thinking about a particular person. And I said, Lord, you know, it, it, you know, I do this for them, but they haven't done this, and they haven't done this, and they haven't done that. And the Lord says, it's none of your business. I said, but Lord, but they, th they think this way. Again, my perception, they think this of me or that of me. He said, it's none of your business what they think about you. It's none of your business what they do to you. Your business is this. What do you think about them? And what are you doing for them? That's your business. You control that. You don't control the other side. Now, if you live that way, that'll set you free from people that hurt you in your past, that have messed with you, that have done you wrong. If you'll listen to what I'm telling you and say, I can't control it. It's none of my business anyways. How I treat them is the best the control that I have and what God expects of my life. It will set you free. But I'm telling you, sure as I know, there are people that will not listen to that because they love and are addicted to self-pity. They're addicted to somebody feeling sorry for them. And then you wonder why your life can't progress. you got to get to the place, and this is told, I don't know why I'm preaching this right now, but I'm preaching it right now. Somebody needs to hear this. you got to get to the place that your future means more to you than your past. What anybody's done to you, has got to be, you're, that's got to, that's got to be secondary. you got to think about your children. you got to think about your children's children one day because you're setting a precedent for everything behind you. And I pray in Jesus' name you will win. Let it go. Let it go. Matter of fact, Passover is all about getting malice and unforgiveness and bitterness out of your heart. Hallelujah. That was free of charge. Hallelujah. So these divine interruptions will bring back to you an assignment. The question is, can you do what God has asked you to do even when he hasn't done what you've asked him to do? Did you hear that? Isn't that good? I got to ask myself, Lord, I'm going to do for you even though I feel like you haven't done for me yet. I'm going to be obedient to what you're asking me to do. Can you trust him even in the midst of your disappointment? David had to trust God in the midst of being rejected and banished from Israel and trust him with his life for 17 years. He has to run and actually become a vagabond. At one point, he had to act like a crazed man just to get along with the Philistines so he could survive. Like, a, like, he, was, like he was a man that was out of his mind. 
That's, that's your Bible. It says that. But he trusts God, and the day came. He came in power and authority back into Israel and reigned as king. And everything now comes from the seed of David. How about Gideon? He even said, Gideon, you're a mighty man of the valley. He said, no, I'm not. I'm the least of my father's kin. I'm the least of my father's kin. He was suffering rejection. He had been told this. It's not something he just felt. He was told this, you see. And now God's saying, that's not who you are. I want you to trust me. Take these 300 men, and let's go take care of the Philistines. He had to trust God. Stephen preaches Jesus in the New Testament, knowing that he would be stoned. He has to trust God by being obedient to God, even though he had to face haters, and those were going to kill him, and ultimately did, and Stephen became the first martyr of Jesus Christ. How about Jesus? who Jesus now is facing the cross. He knows this is his hour, and he's in the garden. Notice this. I caught this this morning. It's a revelation to me. He's in the garden, and the first thing he's viewed as is a gardener by Mary. An interesting thing. This was not the first time that Jesus was in the garden, honey. This was not the first time. The Lord showed me this this morning. You become what your surroundings are. Whatever you put your surround, you put yourself in is what you're going to become. If you get around a bunch of gangbangers, you're going to talk like a bunch of gangbangers. If you get around a bunch of, people, bunch of people that are just always complaining about life, you're going to become a complainer in life. If you put around yourself people that are eagles that want to fly and, and walk by faith and not by sight, that's what you're going to become. Whatever you become is how you're going to be perceived by somebody else. So Jesus is in the garden, and he's looked at as a gardener. Interesting. He said, let this cup pass from me, nevertheless, not my will, but yours be done. I'm going to trust you even though it looks like I might have to die. Because ultimately we know that Jesus does die. But three days later, y'all, he got up out of that grave. God was faithful to his word. Jesus was faithful to obey God even to the point of death. And he knew that he'd be raised from the dead. And God was faithful to raise his son from the dead. And he's no longer dead, but he is alive. 